Welcome to Shetland Voices, the island's podcast with me, Jane Mancrief. With me today, I have Jim Nicholson, who has just retired yesterday after how many years as a vet, Jim? It's 38 years. 38. I was going to say almost 40, so I wouldn't have been fair out. And we're sitting in your beautiful conservatory here, just after the inventory ride. What would you say? Yeah, it's just an aid, but it's in the inventory ride, yeah. Mm And um, it's a beautiful day. We've not had many of them this year, but this is certainly one of them. So... Jim, how are you feeling today, just the day after your your final day? It must be quite a strange kind of a feeling. Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, I mean, the, the practice has been about life for so long. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a bit funny today. Just no having to listen for the phone all the time and uh, thinking, well, somebody might be needing help. But uh, so, yes, it does feel funny today, Jane. Yeah. Are you feeling a pretty bit flat? Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I guess it's natural. I'm maybe not pick it the best day, but uh, I came myself after uh, leaving Radio Shetland for full time. It was just a really strange, strange feeling for mm-hmm. a good few weeks. Yeah, I've not been working full time recently, so I guess, yeah, I, I have uh, had a chance to unwind a bit and get used to the idea of doing less. So it's not a total um, big shock to the system. So, Jim, let's go back to the beginning and maybe let Fort Kane a pity bit about yourself and where you come from, just starting about your, your family. Yeah, so I was born in, in Twatbixter and I was brought up there just on the croft, really. I have two brothers, uh, Martin's my older brother and David's my youngest brother. And uh, we just had a fairly traditional upbringing. That we had, um, my dad was Herbert, he, he had... Uh, Kai and sheep, and um, it was yeah, just it was a it was a good place to be. It was there's a lot of youngsters at the same stage as was into it. In fact, we we're all boys. I think <laughs> there seemed to be several families around, and it just seemed to be at what, at what age group it was all mostly boys. So uh, it was a, a good place to, to start. We lots of outside games and out in your bikes and making go karts and working on the craft. We we had to work. Uh, right for the start, um, so I don't know if that was a good thing or no. But <laughs> well, did you enjoy yeah. it? Oh yeah, we enjoyed it, but it was just just life. You know, it was what you had to do. To everybody had to kind of muck in to mac ends meet, and uh, so that was that was just how we were brought up. We did maybe muck in the buyer before you get to school and that kind of thing. So it was just that was a traditional upbringing, and, and it didn't do any harm. And would you say that's what your interest in animals came from? Well, probably. I was always surrounded by animals, um, and I, I didn't really plan to have a career as a vet until I was in my teens, uh, but I was always happy with animals and, and, and comfortable with them around me. So, yeah, I think at that stage, um, it was just uh, like a means to a living, really, to try and keep everything going, and uh, you can just look after their, their well-being. So it, it gave you a good grounding at that time. And education, did you just go to the school here at Aid? Uh, yes, I did, Jane, yeah. So um, we started in when I was uh, five years old. The, the two other guys in my class were Neil Fraser and Artie Tate, so there was three West boys. And then their parents was both teachers, so they kind of moved on uh, to other jobs. I think Ian Fraser will eventually become head teacher at Scalaway. And, 
and Jim Tate also uh, had a promotion job. So that basically left me on my own. So at the lot of the primary school, I was the only one in my class, which is kind of strange because the classes above and below me had quite big numbers. So I kind of tagged in with ones above me mostly. And then when they moved to secondary school, I was the only one left um, in primary seven. So um, there was, yeah, that was, it was kind of strange. So kind of went to an education for you, was it? Yeah, it was, it was a lot, uh, especially in upper primary. My, my teacher at that stage was Jim Peterson, that everybody that's uh, most of is listening to this will, will cane. Uh, and he was a great inspiration and a good teacher too. Um, so that was, that was good, yeah, and we got good education. Um, only football involved? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Miss Wackel it's listen Mike Kynum is uh, Yeah, I know. No, you couldn't escape the fit band. And he put he put so much into it and and got his youngsters interested and involved and I was very involved for during my kind of junior time. And it was all down to gym really getting this going. So, so you were a sporty bairn too? Very, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was I was quite, I mean, I didn't think quite a sort of competitive thing comes in me fuck against. I think it was too competitive. Well, sadly, yes. <laughs> Probably too competitive sometimes <laughs> with certain things. I know. But I, I think it, I was just speaking to mum about that the other day, and I think it started with the swimming lessons. We used to get swimming lessons down at the Bournemouth and Tumlin, and then also at Raywick on the beach. And I was determined to swim as far or farther as anybody else and I can mind um, Ronnie Gray pissing out a distance on the beach and I had to sort of swim between these marks for as long as I could until I wasn't able to go any further <laughs> and, and I think that's going to end if you dare on, you can, I was heavily involved in the in fit band various other things and um, yeah, as, as a youngster anyway, so that was that was a big thing and I, yeah, played for one of the teams and, and played for Shetland and all that kind of stuff, yeah, so. Now we did the kind art about you, Jim, yeah, so mm -hmm. that's a bit of a revelation, yeah. but I take it you were also, you must have been an academic bairn too. I think so, I think I worked hard, um, and uh, I was I, I was never, we, we school report cards used to get this thing called general excellence, and it was always the really brainy ones who got general excellence, I never got general excellence. <laughs> I got things like general competence and works hard, uh, and I think that probably was more me. And did you uh, strive for a general excellence? I probably did, yeah. Yeah, I was determined to do well and as well as I could, and that's, as I say, that's probably the determination as much as anything. Is, but, I mean, I guess I do have a certain amount of academic ability. But well, you had to be to be a vet. <laughs> that's right. Um, but, uh, no, I was prepared to put the work in, and as I said, the kind of sport thing... I was, yeah, I was always, um, well, I, I played for Spurs and, and I was captain of the team for a couple of years and I was captain of the Shetland team and uh, I also was like in the, in the Uphelia squad, I was sort of squad leader in the squad and, and things like that, so I probably took responsibility as well, um, so that was, that was something else uh, that I was involved in. Also did a lot of sailing, um, we started off with um, Jordi Pottinger for Scalawa. And Jim Georgeson and we we sailed the maid for a few years and uh, and then I got my own dinghy mm -hmm. and uh, I sailed at university as well. So, so did you go to secondary school at eight first and then on to Lara? Yeah, so that was the days the junior high where you had um, two years in uh, your in secondary school at your local school and then you went on in third year mm -hmm. to Anderson High, and that was bigger classes and. Uh, 
a different bunch. But I, I, I kept some of the flock through the Fitba, which was a, a good thing. So it wasn't such a big change. Because, yeah, being the only pupil mm -hmm. um, in primary, then I presume there was more in the secondary. Oh, oh yeah, once again, in the secondaries, there was a lot more. Like, we took Burns for all the west side. So there was ones for, um, like, Skeld, Sanus, Waz, um, in, in my class as well. So we had a much bigger class then. So it was yeah, it was a, a better balance altogether. And then did you get bossed to Larrick or did you have to buy then? Uh, no, we stayed in digs. Me and Davy Johnson stayed at um, the Tap Montoli Street with Babsy Smith, who was a Westsider actually. She was a lovely person and uh, she could speak for Britain. She was amazing. <laughs> so it was always a job settling at the door at bedtime saying, look, I'll have to go to bed, Babsy, I can't <laughs> speak any longer. <laughs> But I stayed there all the way through my secondary school, yeah, and they were great, uh, great digs. So, you said that you only became interested in becoming a vet at secondary school in your teens. How did that come about? What sort of piqued your interest? Well, you? I think I could probably blame Jody Jimison, another fit enthusiast for that one. He was involved in the careers department at the school. And we were in a, in a careers meeting in a, in a classroom. And I can just mind we're in one of the huts at the end of the um, school at Anderson High School. And I'm just going through different careers. And uh, you can something where you're maybe quite good at sciences and, and maths and that kind of thing, as I was. And um, thinking of careers that might suit. And then he, he, he mentioned veterinary. And, and I thought, oh, yeah, I quite fancy that. <laughs> so my hand got up. <laughs> and it was just really for dare, I think, yeah. Just that kind of eureka moment? Yeah, it, it must have been, yeah. Because yeah. I think before then I'd thought about different things. I was mostly interested in geography and I, I couldn't think. I thought about going to sea, but I didn't really have any heritage to, against to help me with that. But uh, I just thought, no, that might suit me. Mm -hmm. And that's where it started, yeah. And were you still working on the craft inside you at home when you were going? Oh, yeah. Out? Yeah, mm -hmm. now always when you're back at weekends, you would have to... To do your, your turn, yeah. So you kept your connection, yeah. at least with the agricultural side of it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely so. And I was probably less experienced to be working with, with pets, but um, that sort of came over the years, yeah. But going back kind of to the 70s when you would have been making your choices, there was much less thought going to university, so how difficult was it to get in? It was quite hard. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a popular course, the veterinary one. It was even then, and and you had to be quite academic and get lots of A's and things to get to get in. And you also needed a foreign language. <laughs> That's <the> really? <laughs> yes. So I think a lot of our, a lot of my classmates as well that was more science orientated that wanted to go to university couldn't get in unless they got a, a stand a was it higher or standard grade standard grade I think in a. Um, in a foreign language. So what, what when did you study? Uh, I did French, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and have you ever had to use it in oh, your, yeah, your well, career? <laughs> not in my career, but I have occasionally on holiday. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we had to do a language. And then, you can, as you say, there wasn't really that many, there was nobody else in my family that had been to university, and um, it was a big step, but there wasn't that many fuck it good. Uh, I think in my sixth year, they might have been... 25, 30 of us, you can, it wasn't that, that in a big class and, and quite a few of them obviously went to university but it was uh, at a time when it was a big step really. Mm -hmm. And which university did you go to? The only ones in Scotland that did veterinary are Glasgow and Edinburgh and I applied probably to both uh, and I got into Edinburgh so that's where, uh, where I ended up going. 
And was that the wind you wanted to go to? Probably, yeah. I, did, I didn't have much um, bias anyway, but it was, yeah, that's quite good. Yeah. So take us through that years, Jim. But like, was that a boy coming from here and aid going to university first one in your family? Yeah, it was. It was fine. It was. It was a quite a big step. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it, the young ones knew they should take it in the stride. <laughs> They're just much more worldly wise as we were. Um, but it was. Yeah, it was quite a change. Um, and uh, to, initially, I think that first term it was hard going, and I, I think I. Failed some exams and at Christmas time, and uh, and I get back thinking, mm, <laughs> am I going to be able to do this? And and everybody, the, the ones who did English university schools had uh, done A levels, done things like biochemistry to a really high level, and they kept all the answers, and I didn't. And it was <laughs> it was a bit daunting, but again, my determination to get through was was quite, was got me got me through it, and then by the end of the first year, I was fine, and I was. I was great for then on. You can, yeah. Were you homesick as well? Uh, no, especially. No, no. no. I, I'd been away uh, on a few trips and things through school and um, sports, so I was I was not too bad. No. So I guess it was onward and upward for there, and of course that's where you met Juliet, your your wife and your business partner. That's right. Yeah, I didn't meet Juliet until I was in. Was I? I was in fourth year, and she was going into the final year, I think. So uh, that was when we met, really, and um, we got married just before I started final year. Yeah. So uh, that was yeah. We were both just students at that stage. She she, she got a job that first winter in Blair Gowrie, and uh, I was still in Edinburgh. But uh, yeah, so we go back a long way. Yeah, you <laughs> certainly do. Yeah. And going sort of back through to your university life, what was the highlights there for you? I suppose that we were quite pretty classes then. There was between maybe 50 and 60, so you got to kind everybody quite well. So I've always enjoyed that sort of camaraderie. Uh, I think that was great. Um, I mean, university life was, was, was very too. I, again, I did a lot of sailing and I was away... We had a sailing team, I ended up captain of the sailing team as well, and we, we, we got away a lot on trips with that. Um, and, and really within the university, there was quite a lot going on that I kind of liked to be involved in the university with the vet school a bit too. Um, so it was it was good times. I mean, everybody looking back at student times will tell you that. <laughs> and that it was the best maybe years. financially it was easier back then because there were better grants. Was that yeah. your experience? Well, no, I, I mean, my dad was a crofter, really, so I, I got the, I got a good grant. I also got a bursary for the Larwick Harbour Trust. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that was the first one to get it. And, and for there on, they carried it on for several years. So that was brilliant. That really helped me. So if anybody for that year is listening, then <laughs> thank you, because it did help me buying books and just helping to get you through that at times. And did you have to work in the summers and that just to... Yeah, you did. I mean, you, when you do the vet course, you're supposed to do EMS, which is extramural studies, and you're supposed to spend time on farms and doing a, a big variety of stuff, which I did. I also had a summer driving diggers in, uh, up north, <laughs> just to try and earn a bit of, a bit of money. Up north um, in Scotland or in no, Shetland? No, in Shetland, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Xulam uh, or...? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked for uh, Edmund, Nicholson and Frankie and on the diggers and uh, that was that was good income as well, again, for a student. So that kept me going um, right through. And then uh, after second year, I'd saved up enough that I good to New Zealand for a summer. So I had a... 
a kind of a university summer, which was New Zealand winter uh, for like must have been nearly three months in New Zealand, which was great. That was uh, fine. So I certainly had to push on and make sure I passed all my exams in second year, so that I didn't have to go back and do resets. You know, so. So were you yeah. on a firm in New Zealand? Yeah, I, I had a list of addresses for my mum, who is a Tate, uh, and she has lots and lots of cousins in New Zealand. So I couldn't sort of sell a lot of them and, and worked on firms and had lots of their connections too. Did you take anything back for your FEDAT experience that um, has helped you later on in your career? Well, yeah, it was great. I mean, the firm in there is something else, and, and it was just, yeah, a great place. And, it, and they have quite a good outlook in life where... They work hard and play hard, and uh, weekends are weekends. And it wasn't a you can in Britain at that stage, nobody had weekends. You just worked all the time, but they had like maybe a speedboat to do a tack down to the lake to the lake or um, do something else to go and watch the rugby at the weekends, which was very healthy, I think. Yeah. So, uh, and that was a great place. And the firms there are so vast, some of them. Oh yeah, that was a hard pick for the early settlers, but now it's this uh, it's very fertile. And is it? A connection that you've kept up in your life? Uh, we did go back when Mud Burns was pretty. Yeah, we did go back for a trip and uh, I we do, we still do keep in touch with a few folk in New Zealand, yeah. Was that the North Isle or the South Isle? Both. Both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We'll jump to fourth year and you meet Juliet and mm-hmm. um, she passes and then you've got a year to go. How difficult was that once you were married and no sort of together? Yeah, it was, yeah, I suppose it was hard. I, I was just still in a student flat sharing with other students uh, and she was up in Blairgowrie. So, yeah, we I got up and with a bus at the weekends. It was the very start of, um, it's not like a bus, stagecoach. Um, their first outset, really. And I got the stagecoach up to Perth and then was up there for the weekends and back down to Edinburgh for the week. So we managed. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we come to the stage that you are qualified and then you've got to decide what to do. Yeah, so I, I'd seen practice, which uh, is going along with the vets a bit in Aberdeenshire and in Varuri and in one of my last stints there they said look when you graduate there's a job for you here if you want it so that was the job that I took was in Varuri and at that stage Juliet had finished her job so we both moved up to Inveruri and um, I worked in the practice there and then she started working for a practice in Aberdeen uh, as well, so we must have. And had you decided at that stage if, if you were going to have a specialism or what do your interests lay in? Um, no, it's just a mixed practice and, and then in days there wasn't really any specialism, it was just everybody was, was jack of all trades. So it was a good grounding because there was a lot of fairmen around there and also it was a kind of expanding town as well, so we saw quite a bit of dogs and cats there as well. But eventually, after two years, then you decided to return to the Ald Rock. What drove you home again? Yeah, well, I guess it's just a drip, drip, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, your mum sent you the Shetland Times every week, and uh, <laughs> and we we eventually saw this croft for sale in Sanis, uh, and we'd always like to have a place of our own, where we could grow our own food and, and have our own animals. So we came up on a cold winter's day and had a look at it and thought oh, gee it's not very good and I'll never do this and then we come back and thought yeah we'll put an offer in and we got it and then uh, we moved back in the spring of um, 1985 so that was that was back in Shetland. And how did your practice evolve for there? At that stage I was helping Martin a bit in the garage and doing a few other things just for that first few months and fixing up the old craft house we just had to 
do a lot of kind of renovation. Um, and then we, I suppose we're encouraged. We crafters in kind of mostly the west side said, look, oh yeah, there, there would be demand. Because at that stage it was just the one practice in Larwick that run by Edmund Moore, who was, who was busy, very, very busy, and uh, did a great job. But it was... There seemed to be an opening for somebody else to to work as well, so we just basically started on the first of July, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, and uh, have operated a practice twenty four seven three six five since then. Yeah. So that's how it's been. Well, again, how challenging is that been for you, um, especially to start as as you were young and a young family? Well, yeah, um, it was hard work. And, and a big commitment. You can, if we were just on my own, and you're you're on the phone, you're on call all the time. So uh, it's just the phone rings. You have to go, or you can. That's that was just how it was. But we had a lot of support, for a lot of folk, uh, and a lot of crafts and and small animal clients as well. Juliet was more um, was better with the dogs and cats, and she kind of developed that side of the practice uh, and just provided as, as good a service as we could and. Uh, we had a lot of clients, especially kind of west and north in Shetland. Uh, I think all the north mainland ones would came quite here, but uh, they were a big help and big support right from the start. So we we kind of became established in the, mostly that areas, and and then the small animal side kind of grew and grew. Really. Well, I heard you saying uh, on your Radio Shetland interview you didn't really have a favourite animal. Is that right? Is it? Well. <laughs> I feel you're hesitating a bit there. There yeah. might be more to dig into. <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose on the craft, we always had... We, we had kind of sheep of our own at Sanus, and uh, I've always, yeah, worked with sheep, and I've got, like, an extra qualification in sheep medicine. But, uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm quite happy seeing... And, and the variety is good. You can, I'm still old school where I enjoy the variety. What has been the most difficult thing about being a vet, do you think? What what um, really gets you in the herd? The, the, well, the, the difficult, and obviously the difficult bit is a lot to do with if you lose animals. You can, that's, that's been really hard. And, I mean, if they've had a good life and it comes that we have to help them under why, that's, it's often hard as well if we count them for a long number of years as a, as a patient. Um, and you can the clients really well as well. And uh, sometimes... You lose them at a younger age, and that's that's a real heartbreak, and you feel for for the owners and, and that as well. So that's that's been hard. You, you do get, get emotionally attached. You do, yeah. I mean, I, I guess as, as time goes by, you get a bit hardened to it, um, but you still there's certain ones that really kind of get you. So yeah. Is there anything that comes to mind without revealing, obviously, okay, anybody in particular? Uh, I think in terms of if there's any ones in particular that makes you feel uh, sad or emotional. I, I think it's something we have to deal with very regularly, so it happens on a regular basis, so I, I cannot say that there's been anyone that's kind of stood out as being. Does it help because you're both involved, that you can take that home and speak about it? Or well, how do you get you've kind of got to have green rules as well in a relationship, and I think we've kind of no spoken about work much at home, and I think that's maybe being a survival tactics. Um, because if you drag it home with you and speak about it into the evening, then you kind of get to sleep and it just you can wear you out. So we, we kind of have a, a, a an unsaid rule that beyond a certain time that we don't speak about work. <laughs> so, but but yeah, I mean having having a obviously a, a, a partner that is 
sympathetic and knows the score is a big help and, and obviously Julia it's been a huge help to me over the years in supporting me and putting up with me okay. <laughs> <laughs> You must be seeing a lot of changes too I would imagine over the nearly 40 years in how veterinary medicine has come on and how things are treated and technology mm. what, what's been the main changes would you say? Yeah, so it's it's really just evolved gradually over the years. Um, it's the expectation that the clients is, is higher too. Uh, but most of that has been on the small animal side, you can, because we started with predominantly croft work and we go to the North Isles and we go to yeah, um, North Mainland and the West Side and, 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 and it was all mostly croft work, but the small animal side has just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, back uh, even in the 80s, there wasn't that many faculty pets. Now everybody's got dogs and cats, and, and they do expect uh, you can have them treated, and, and rightly so, uh, do the best for them. And they're all emotionally involved with their, with their pets. Okay? So that, that's been, that's quite a thing has been, and, and, and most of the investment and the changes has come on the small animal side where we have uh, a lot more diagnosis that we can we can do within in whose we've had blood machines now for quite a number of years where we can do a blood test do an analysis get a diagnosis within an hour and we can also do x-rays we can do endoscope we can do ultrasound scans um, so all all that kind of things have really kind of moved on and and so that's just it's night and day really think when we started so it's 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 totally different, and I, and I think a lot of practices up and down the country uh, specialise in small animals and just do dogs and cats, and that's where the most of the work is, and that's where the money is. You can see that's where they where they work. Do you think there's been quite a decrease in the amount of croft and and work for you there that you're seeing all the time as well? Yeah, the, the croft and it's always kept going, and I mean there there's a few bigger units and probably less. Like there was I mean. I had a dear old uh, client in, in uh, Westerwick that had two coos, Dini and Lulu. Anybody at Fida Ariel came quite speaking about it. And she was she loved that coos. <laughs> you can uh, it was just she was quite an elderly woman and, and uh, looked really well after them. Uh, but there's less of that now that you can it's bigger units and, and, and folk have maybe ten, twenty, thirty coos and, and uh, have you can it's a more of economy of scale. So the craft has changed. That we've also done a lot of work in preventative health with the Crofton side. So we've had a health scheme going in Shetland, which is, is sort of overseen through the, the local authority. Um, and it's been a big help in keeping out some diseases with the Shetland. So that's been quite a big thing, and it's helped in terms that folk are now uh, having to deal with that, some of that conditions on a daily basis. It's something that doesn't happen because we... Is that like the scrapey scheme and that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, I suppose the scrapey scheme was, was more of a government-led thing and locally we've had ones to keep out sheep scab, which is um, a, a, quite a big problem in the rest of the country. Uh, also things like uh, infectious abortion, which again can cause big financial losses amongst sheep. Uh, we have a scheme to keep that out. On the Kai side, we've, uh, we've for a long time we've kept it BVD, which is bovine viral, viral diarrhea, and that one is um, is again caused a lot of losses over the years in other parts of the country. Uh, and at the moment, we're working with the Kai on Yoni's disease, uh, and that's again 
been a big help to the crofters in that they do not have to lose animals through that disease because we test for it and keep it out and, and have, a, have a plan for them to, to help with that. And leading on for that, did you have a favourite season for crofting? Oh, the favourite season is springtime, always, <laughs> because that's when all the new life arrives. And, and it's been... <clears throat> UK and it's coming, so it's not a surprise. And it's, um, it's every year there's always challenges... Uh, with springtime, but it's and, it, and and sometimes when the phone rings in the middle of the night, you think, oh no, but uh, you can the uh, once you get there and and you um, manage to help this the the situation, then you do feel feel great about it. So that's fine. And I am interviewed you through several lemon seasons, and yeah. some of them have been great, and some of them have been absolutely horrendous. And there's just no way of kind what's coming down the, the line. I can mind one year speaking to you, it had been a just awful year. And I don't know if you can mind that, but you were just utterly exhausted. You know, I can mind that too, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was one of that years that just never stopped raining. It uh, was, yeah, every and I, and I can mind, I think I'd just come off of the Brest Ferry and mm-hmm. That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was I'd probably up all night and uh, for a couple of nights, but yeah. So, so it is quite hard going. So you, you need a certain amount of stamina at that time of year to see you through, but it's it's great in the springtime. And, and I do, I mean, I, I feel privileged to have worked with crofters and fermers through that because I think... A lot of them give their life and soul to it, and it's hard work. There's easier ways to make a living, um, and you can. I, I think it's. I take my hat off to them, um, just for the, the the endurance and their commitment for the, keeping their animals healthy and, and trying to do the best they can. You can. The vast majority of them do extremely well, and I, and I think it's been a real privilege to have worked alongside them. And a lot of them are close friends, and I've shared a lot of had times with him and cups of tea with him so you can it's it's been it's been great to have I've kept all that fact that the real salt of the earth types okay. I believe that you got a surprise video made up for you on your retirement. Yeah I did <laughs> <laughs> which included uh, um, yes included some fact we came quite well. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was that was a bit emotional uh, and uh, it was really nice of them to do that. That was uh, Pam that it's one of our nurses that's off on maternity leave at the moment, but she she put it all together, and uh, it was a real nice touch. Yeah, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed seeing that. Going back to the smart animals, when I drove in around here today, your you several dogs, couple of dogs came to meet me. I was feared I was going to end up flattening one of your dogs before I even got the interview done. But I mean, you're right that the, the amount of Smart animals, especially dogs, know that that I see that walking through the village at night sometimes with noise. It's like being in a scene for 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's completely changed. It's been, it's it's just companionship. You can, I think, there's a lot of studies that says that having a dog, a pet dog, is actually quite good for you and lowers your blood pressure. And it's, <laughs> you can, uh, so yeah, no, it's good and it's good for exercise. For fuck, if they're more in sedentary jobs nowadays, it gets you out and. You've got to get out every day with your dog, and um, yeah, and they come in all shapes and sizes. Um, it's two kinds. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you have a favourite breed? I quite like Labradors. I've had I, I've had a few Labradors. I had a chocolate one for a while. That was a, a nutcase, um, and I've had a couple of black ones. So yeah, probably probably Labradors um, would be my favourite. But um, yeah, we I I I like collies and. In Pretty Dog was a, a terrier, Border Terrier, they're, they're nice dogs. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to work with dogs. 
do you treat your ones like children? <laughs> I was watching. No. <laughs> I was watching the super vet. I can't remember his name. Noel, Noel, something the other day, and it was. Patrick, yeah. It was about his dog that had yeah. been in a car accident, and it was very much his baby. I know. No, he's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> but you, well, you feel that that's happening, Mayor. Yeah. I suppose. Well, I think so. I, I think Noel Fitzpatrick has certainly increased. Fox expectations, un unrealistically in many cases, <laughs> um, but he's yeah he gives his life and soul to it, uh, and uh, that's fine. Um, but w yeah, we we would do everything yeah, to keep them going if they, if they had a health problem, and 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 nowadays quite a lot of them have pet insurance as well, so if you do have to refer them to the super vet, <laughs> then your insurance company pays. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it, it, it's a different world, really. Uh, but but there's, you can fuck our committed, but no, I don't take them to bed with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite glad to hear that, Jim. <laughs> I'm sure Juliet is too. Yeah. <laughs> but behavioural problems, I mean, are they caused by the owner or the, the dog? Yeah, mostly the owner, yeah. Uh, so fuck do kind of baby them with their puppies and, and that's not a good idea they really need to have some discipline in their life you can um, and that's it's hard because fuck it you can if the animals have no will or they're cuddly then you can <laughs> but it leads to behaviour problems later on so you've kind of got to, to draw some lines I mean some dogs do have uh, are born we behavioural problems you can and, and that's really hard to crack but uh, m but most of them are are learned behaviours. So <laughs> any words of wisdom? <laughs> yeah I think just yeah no means no and uh, just like bringing up your bairns um, yeah. and uh, sit and stay and, and certain bits of discipline are necessary. Well we're sitting here as we said in your lovely conservatory what happens next Jim now that you're getting up Mr. Wark that you have. Yeah, so uh, it's it's just like I think anybody gets to my stage in life. It's it's trying to it's like it's a new chapter, and uh, I think it. I mean, we've got family. They're both were Ben's a Sooth, and uh, we haven't got to see them much. So we're certainly hopeful that over the next few years we'll see a lot more. And I've got grandparents as well. So um, it's just trying to get time to get away and, and see them. Well, the practice was yours and, and Juliet's to begin with, but you eventually went down the route to do an employee buyout kind of ownership thing. So so what took you in that direction? Yeah, I suppose it's more looking at succession because we're, um, it was just our practice and uh, we looked at different options. Most folk of our age, in fact, just the, the vast, vast majority are selling out to big corporates, which is really city money that's buying into practices, because they see it as a way of making profit. So it's very much profit-driven, and it's basically, yeah, there's about six companies now at own more as half of the practices in the UK. So that's what's happening, and it's and we weren't really comfortable with that, because it's possibly more profit-driven than, than actually care-driven, so we uh, decided to look at different options. And Juliet had seen this option of doing employee ownership, so that's the way we went. And so now we're at the stage where the staff own the business and there's a board of directors elected um, to run the business and there's a board of trustees that oversee it. So it's it's in good hands and it's 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 kept local in any uh, work or profit that's generated for the 
business is kept within Shetland. You can, it's no going out with it to some city investor. And of course there are practices in Bixter and you have Lerick and you have Scalwa as well. So you did fairly expand over the years. Yeah, you, I suppose some folk will look at it and say we should just have one big centre and, and that should be it. But it's just the way it's evolved. Um, and we have we do probably more of the large animal side out of Bixter um, and we have a lot of regular uh, small animal clients there too. Scalwa is the busiest place now because it's more central and uh, we, we see a lot of folk there every day. And then Larwick we opened about six years ago just as a, uh, as a, as a small animal clinic um, and we're there um, missed days. You can, so that's been a, a good, it's a good service to the, to the Larwick community and it's, um, it's, it's a nice place to, to work. And are you going to be involved in Oniwai going forward with us? No, no really, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> Cutting all ties. Yeah, no, I've got, I'm, I'm, doing a, I'm doing a bit of testing this summer just on, on crafts. Um, but we're no, no really got any plans to be involved um, directly in the practice. Well, I suppose before I ask what you're going to do going forward with your life, um, I'll maybe ask if you could tell me what have been the highlights and conversely what have been the worst times, the best <laughs> and worst times of being a vet, Jim. Oh, that's a hard one. Mm. That's a really hard one. I, I haven't really... The, be, the best times, as I said before, is, is when you get a new calf or a, a new lamb that's um, you didn't expect or a new foal you can we've, I've done a lot of foals as well over the years that you didn't expect to be um, to be there and and they start breathing and then they start sprinkling and you can and they get under why and that's 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 always the highlight um, I think for me um, low points is probably yeah saying goodbye to some clients that and, and some patients that you've known for a long long time and that's that's been hard yeah and what are you going to do in future? I, I'm still reasonably fit and active again, so I would like to do some more whacking, like around the hills and maybe around the coastline of Shetland, and um, cycling, um, maybe a bit of sailing, I don't know, see how time goes. You um, did run as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did a bit of running too. I'm not really doing any running anymore, um, but um, just what... What, what I'm able to do really and, and we as you see around we have quite a big garden so I'm happy just hawking holes and planting things in there. is there a polytunnel on the way in? oh yeah everybody's yeah. got one of them now. <laughs> it's a polycrub yeah. yeah so it's one of the North Maven specials and it's uh, it's great yeah we, we, we spend a bit of time Juliet's the kind of uh, green fingers and I just do the work it would help me some of the work <laughs> to, to keep it all going. So you now we've got plenty of things to keep us busy. And, but I think I'll be better in the summer and the winter. Quite interested in local history. After we've done, we had a history group here in Aid, which I've been involved in for a number of years. And, and I might do a bit more work with that. Um, so, yeah, just have to wait and see. So looking back, Jim, on um, that pretty boy that was in the class on his own and then... Ah, uh, the stuff that you're going through. Where did you did you ever think where you would be at this age? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is it possible? <laughs> no, I can. You just didn't get. You, you just life's like that. You just have to. to they can seize opportunities when they come along and and do your best. And uh, we've been lucky that we've had good health and and uh, work and been able to keep going really. And but you do need a certain amount of determination and stamina. Um, and uh, 
just to keep keep going. <laughs> so, Do you think you made that right decision coming back home to, to Shetland? Oh, I do, yeah. No, it's been great. And we've got a great team at the Vets and you kind of are going to take the business forward. There, there's some really talented folk there in all sorts of areas and I think we've been really lucky to have that staff that have been committed and dedicated uh, and I think that the, the practice is in good hands for the future. So leaving me no regrets? No regrets. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and you can follow Shetland Voices at shetnews.co.uk or wherever you find your podcasts.